This is episode 32 with Scott Allen. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha, men of abundance. It is Monday and we are back with another week of amazing guests. And we start off the week today with Scott Allen. And Scott is an amazing abundant leader living in Japan. We're going to talk today with Scott about how and why he moved to Japan 20 years ago. Now, I do have to say, I don't know if it's because Scott is in Japan or maybe Skype was just having some issues that day as I have in the past. But part of the conversation, there's a lot of static. I cleaned it up as best as I could, but you can still hear the conversation. I hope it's not too distracting. In either case, you still get a lot of very valuable content out of this episode. And I have a very exciting announcement that I want to make, and that is, if you haven't noticed already, my website, menofabundance.com, has had a major facelift. It looks completely different, and I have to thank Daniel over at Podcast Websites for doing all of the artwork and putting in all the work that he has to make this site as amazing as it is. The other thing I want to point out is that the iTunes logo is going to change. So for right now, you may still see the man running on the beach with a black lettering saying Men of Abundance. But if you go to menofabundance.com and you look at the new logo that's on that site, that's basically going to be the same logo that you'll see on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as any other platforms that you might be listening to Men of Abundance on. I wanted to point that out to you so that when you go looking for Men of Abundance in your podcast player, you'll know to look for the new logo. And if you're as excited as these new changes as I am, make sure you share Men of Abundance with everybody in your community. As you know, the more you share, the more people can get in on all this, all of this valuable information and possibly change somebody's life. All right, let me introduce you to Scott. Scott Allen is an author that focuses on changing old routines, behaviors, and overcoming all levels of self-defeating behavior. This is definitely within the abundant mentality. He believes that successful living is a series of small actions taken consistently on a daily basis in order to build a quality, rich lifestyle. As I already mentioned, Scott resides in western Japan, where he spends most of his time traveling, writing, and counting the many gratitudes of life. He is the author of Empower Your Thoughts, Rejection Reset, and several other best-selling books. With a deep passion for teaching, building life skills, and inspiring others to take charge of their lives, he is committed to a path of constant and never-ending self-improvement. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Where are you at in the world? Well, I'm located in um, Okayama City, which is uh, in Japan. Um, I'm about 30 minutes from Hiroshima, and I guess I'm between Hiroshima and Osaka City. Nice. I have been to Japan. I love Tokyo. I've been mostly down around the Camp Zama area. I'm not sure what town is down around there, around Camp Zama. Um, but it, we would take a train right outside the back gate there of Camp Zama, and I think about an hour and a half or so, we'd be in Tokyo. Okay, yeah, sure. I haven't heard of the place, but... Uh 
there, there's lots of little towns and, and cities you can really get lost once you once you get on a train so oh yeah absolutely big <laughs> place big place a lot of fun absolutely a lot of fun so how did you end up down there i'm sure we're going to get into it that a little bit well as a matter of fact let's do this i talked a little bit about you i spoke a little bit about your bio and and uh what you've been up to just very very briefly but uh i want to hear your story from you so let's get a little bit personal okay sure um I'll try to keep it brief, but I may not. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, I've been here almost, uh, I guess, about 20 years. And um, how I got here actually was, uh, uh, I was work- I'm from Canada, by the way. Um, I came from um, the East Coast, but I was living in Vancouver at the time. And um, um, I'm actually, I was actually working as a, an electrical engineer. And uh, things are going okay. And uh, suddenly, one day, I just... Um, I found myself without a job. I lost my job, and um, and that same week, I I guess I lost my girlfriend too. So I was having a bad week, you could say. I guess. Yeah. And um, anyway, what happened is, um, um, you know, basically, I think I had two choices. Um, I could go and get another job, which I actually didn't want to do because the job I was working in, I uh, just wasn't for me. You know, I just reached that point where I knew, like, I'd gone as far as I could go. I wanted to try something different, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I didn't really want to get into another relationship at the time either. So um, at the time, I had a, kind of a mentor, a coach, and we sat down and, and, you know, he just basically said to me, look, you know, you have two choices. You can, you can do, you know, you can do what you've always done and, you know, uh, just carry on that way. Or you can do something completely different, he said. And that was it. That was our conversation. And um, I decided at the time that I was going to do something completely different. Um, didn't know what it was at the time. So um, anyway, um, but a week later, got this package in the mail from my father, and um, opened up. It was, and it was this. Uh, it was a book. And at the time, you know, I was you know I do a lot of reading. I've always been a big reader. And um, it was a book from um, Anthony Robbins. And you've probably heard of him, Anthony Robbins, and the book was Awaken the Giant. And I thought, wow, okay, so I'll give this, you know, I'll give this, uh, I'm unemployed now, I've got lots of time, so I'll give this book a read. And uh, I read it within two days, you know, it's a big book, it's a lot of, lot of meat in there. And um, I read it within two days, and uh, I just like, I just thought, wow, you know, this is great. And I went through and I started doing the, uh, the section on uh, writing out your goals and stuff and making a life plan. And I'd never done that thing. I've never, I'd never done that before. So, um, you know, within a week, I had like, I had like this massive bucket list of like. Uh, at the time, though, I didn't call it a bucket list. I think it was like um, a hundred things I wanted to do before I died, and just all these things I wanted to do that I'd never thought of before. Like, you know, walking the Great Wall of China and then visiting Australia, and, uh, and actually one of them was coming to Japan and, and traveling around, and because. I'd actually, before that, I'd actually, I'd never been anywhere, you know, I just, I was just working and, and I guess, you know, hanging out on the weekends with friends and that kind of thing. So anyway, I, um, I had all these goals written out in, I lived in this, like, this small apartment and, you know, I used to have, like, these, like, 1980s rock posters hanging on the walls and, and stuff and I tore all those down and I put up my goals, I had, like, positive quotes everywhere and, uh, I just, like, I just turned everything into, like, this one focus where like I wanted to just move I just wanted to to leave and go traveling and and anyway basically there were three things that came up when I did this uh, you know wrote out my my I guess life plan and my goals and one of them was I wanted to travel 
second one was um, I wanted to um, write a book, you know, because I'd always been into reading. I loved, uh, you know, loved books and stuff. But uh, um, and I, I used to do a lot of writing when I was, uh, you know, a kid, actually, you know. And um, the third thing is I wanted to build more freedom into my life. And uh, anyway, um, six months later, I found myself on a plane coming to Japan. Um, I'd sold everything I had, and uh, when I say everything I had, I, I, I actually I, I had a bed, a used car, and a comic collection. So, and that was it. I, um, I'd actually found a job before I came here, so I actually a friend of mine suggested, you know, you should try teaching English, and you could, you know, you know, get a job there and, you know, travel around. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I did. I found a job actually before I came here, and uh, I was just going to stay for a year, and ended up staying for, well, almost 20 now, so, and I did do a lot of traveling, um, I don't do as much now, because I have a family and stuff, but, uh, you know, I still get away every now and then, and my bucket list, I accomplished a lot of things on it, uh, there's still a lot more to do, but, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's how I came here, so. That's pretty impressive, so, you might have mentioned this already, but did you speak Japanese at all before you decided to go there? Uh, that's a good question. So actually, no, I didn't know a thing. Um, I could barely say konnichiwa when I got on the plane. So um, I did spend a little bit of time before I came here. I did have, you know, actually did have some prep time. Um, and I think I bought like uh, one of those, you know, language books you can get at the bookstore. And I was, I was practicing with that. But uh, when I got here, it was just... Uh, it was a whole different experience, and, and I'd never studied a foreign language before either, you know. Um, so I, when I got here, I that was another great thing. I just dove right into that, and uh, you know, took up private lessons, and uh, you know, within six months, I was having uh, conversations with people, and uh, it was just really great, you know. Like everything was just like such a new experience, and I knew like. You know, when I first got here, I thought, like, what have I done? You know, I've, I've given up my life and, you know, in my home country and, and I'll never get back there. And, and um, but no, after six months, it was like, uh, you know, it's like the best thing I'd ever done. And I never wanted to go back because I was leaving, I was leading this, you know, great life now overseas. And, uh, you know, people back home are asking me, what's it like over there? And, you know, wow. So anyway, yeah. So, you know, learning language too was a really big challenge, but. I think, um, you know, uh, it really helped me to grow in a lot of ways, so. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, that you just jumped up and left, and immersion is by far the best way to learn a culture, to learn a language. That's how I learned Spanish. I took Spanish in high school, and quite frankly, I think I may have passed with a D, and that was only because there, there was sympathy for me or something. Um, mm. Even though I grew up in a Hispanic neighborhood, um, I, I just didn't learn Spanish until... I got to South and Central America and spent a lot of time mostly with the kids in Bolivia and, and Chile and other countries and learned Spanish through immersion basically just by doing it because you, you know, I basically had to. And then to learn the culture and to get out there and live with them is just amazing. I, I, I commend you for that. I like Japan. I really enjoy Japan. I want to get my wife and family out there as soon as possible. Yeah, it's a very cool place. It's it's and um, you know like when I actually when I came here, it was very surreal because uh, yeah, I came here in 1998. Um, I was just I think I was maybe 27 years old at the time, 28. And um, 
you know, they still weren't used to seeing a lot of uh, people from overseas. So, you, you know, you get a lot of stares and stuff and, and these looks of amazement, like, wow, you know, there's one of those people from another country. And, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, you, you kind of like, you, you do feel a little different, of course. Um, but over time, that gradually changed. And now, like, it's, you know, now, like, uh, yeah, you, you don't get that anymore. But it's great for tourists. Like, they're really... Uh, promoting the tourism and you know the 2020 games are coming up in Tokyo and so uh, there's lots going on you know and it's like if you visit a, a city like Tokyo and Osaka you're just like overwhelmed by all the stuff you can see and do so yeah definitely uh, come on over and hang out for a while. Oh that'd be great and you know you got over there in a time long before or shortly before anyway the internet was mainstream so, you know, anybody who's thinking about traveling today to such a place or someplace you've never been, even if it's another state you've never been, you can do multitude of um, research about the environment and the, about the area and the climate and, you know, financial climate, weather-wise, everything before you even go. You had no prep whatsoever as far as that's concerned other than what books you could get from a bookstore or a library, right? Mm. No, that's a really good point, actually, and that, and that's true. Um, in fact, I, I still tell people sometimes, uh, this is when you know you're getting a bit older, but you say, yeah, I remember back in the day when I didn't have internet, and, uh, you know, we were writing letters by hand, and, uh, um, but no, that's right, I um, I think I came here with, like, this big book uh, from, I think it was, like, the Lonely Planet Guide or something, and it was just a massive book that was probably the heaviest thing in my, uh, in my backpack, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's, Definitely, you have that advantage too, you know. So, so you mentioned a little bit of you know some of your heartache and kick in the gut moments, but is is that basically what got you to the point to where you decided you just wanted to up and move to Japan, or was there something else? No, I would say uh, that was it, but it was actually a bit it was a bit deeper than that too. Um, I've had a few of those these moments in my life actually. That was one of them, um, but. The kick in the gut moment came like, you know, it wasn't just like losing a job or losing a girlfriend, but it was, um, I knew inside that there was, it was time to change something. And until I was actually put in a position where I had to do it, like I didn't take action, you know, and I think like a lot of the changes that I've, you know, had in my life where I, I you know, moved somewhere or, or started something new, it was like, it's like, I have to do this thing or, you know, I'm just going to keep getting the same results again and again. Um, so yeah, so it was like, um, you know, it's basically like, it's like I, I had a choice in the moment where, you know, um, either I, 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 I go forward with a, with a, an action or I just, you know, do what I've always done and I'm going to keep getting what I've always gotten, which is what I didn't want. Right. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I think, yeah, like on a deeper level, it's like, like I knew I was ready to change, but until something happened. I wasn't going to do anything about it because even before I say, you know, losing a job is not a big deal. You can always get another job. But the fact is that I actually saw this as an opportunity. And until someone had pointed it out to me, you know, they're like, look, you know, you've been talking for years about changing. It's like, why don't you do it now? I mean, you know, you know, you're, you're still single. You don't have any ties to here really just, just, you know, you can do it. So, um, and those kick in the gut moments are, you know, I think, they can happen any time. I mean, I'm I'm still. I think like I think I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Michael Hyatt, 
And I think in the podcast you said, uh, you know, everybody, everyone is going to undergo a dramatic change every 10 years. So when I was listening to that, I thought, oh, that's an interesting point. So, you know, maybe like every, every 10 years, uh, such an opportunity, uh, it, it exists. And sometimes, you know, we get so immersed into our lives that I think we're, we're craving change. But when the when uh, when the opportunity comes, we we're, maybe we're so busy doing what we're doing that we we miss it, you know. So I think you have to have some uh, personal awareness of like uh, what's going on around you, and um, you know if you if you see an opportunity where you're feeling dissatisfied or you you you're craving something that you want to do and you're not doing it. It could be that you know you're seeking that I guess that kick in the gut moment you know and it and it may not just come up and slap you and you know in the face kind of so to speak uh, it's something that you've sometimes you have to create it right so I don't know if that makes sense but uh. no that makes perfect sense and one thing that I want to touch on that I think will resonate with men of abundance is that when you lost your job it wasn't the end of the world and that's the way you felt at the time but a lot of guys define themselves by their vocation and I come from a background of military and definitely without a doubt soldiers and military members they veterans they definitely define themselves by that job especially infantrymen and those that are in that vocation and and then they kind of go into this depression mode because they're like well hell that's all I know that's the only thing I know how to do. All I've ever done is I drove a bulldozer, you know, on a construction site, and then I got injured, and now I can't do that anymore, and then I go into this depression mode, whereas you bring up a very good point in that you just redefined yourself. You just completely made a very drastic change in many people's minds, but it probably made more sense to you than it would most, but the bottom line is the point is, is you realize that your vocation didn't define you. And you losing your job in hindsight, obviously, is a was a blessing. Uh, but you can recover from that. And you, and the way that you do that, men of abundance, in my mind, anyways, as I always say, is to constantly be exposing yourself to other environments, to other people, to other circles. And when, when or if something like that drastically changes in your life, and you have that kick in the goat moment. It won't be so hard for you to transition, and it might even be the better thing for you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the first, you know, the first time that I, um, you know, I, I took that leap of faith, um, there was a lot of fear. You know, it's like uh, you really, you really find out what you're made of, and, and like you said, a lot of a lot of men really, yeah. I mean, we look at our jobs as like you know, like uh, it defines us. You know, like this is you know when someone asks you. You know, people always ask you, um, you know, hey, what do you do? They don't ask you, hey, who are you? Uh, what are you all about? You know, they always ask you, like, men will always ask each other, what do you do? And that means, like, well, oh, well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm an engineer or I'm a police officer. Or, you know, so we really, we really define ourselves by um, our vocation. I, I totally agree with that. But um, the thing about that is that, you know, um, you can change your vocation, of course, right? And I think that it's not the book. I mean, our vocation does define us to a certain degree, but I think that um, it's it's you know when you can choose the vocation that you really want, I think that's when you can take your life to the next level. You know, like for example, like um, I was an electrical engineer for quite a few years, but to be honest with you, I just I just fell into that job because at the time I had to go to 
school to get trained so I could get a job, you know, because back in those days that was, well, that's, I mean, I think that's for, still true for a lot of people, but, you know, they finish high school or whatever and they, they're like, well, what am I going to do now? And we don't have a lot of directions like, oh, I'll, I'll go to university or, or college and I'll take this course and I'll get a job and then that will define me. And then I find like, you know, I did that and I think I tried to, um, uh, tried to build my life around that. Instead of building a life that I wanted, I built a life around, say, you know, this is my career. And, uh, you know, and to be honest with you, I, I wasn't, you know, I mean, it was really good while I, while I had it, but I always knew that there was something more I wanted to do. And until I actually had that pivot point, I didn't, I didn't take, uh, take the chance on it. And yeah, when I did, there was, you know, giving up your, your career, so to speak. It's like, wow, you know, like, what am I going to do if this new thing doesn't work out? So there's always that, there's always that level of self-doubt. And just, um, yeah, there were moments when I look back, you know, I, I was doing this thing and, and I look back and, you know, even before I, I got on the plane to go to a, you know, another country that's 10,000 kilometers away, um, I was like, I, I, what am I doing? I can't do this. What if I fail, you know? There's always that question, like, what if I fail and I have to come back? And and that was probably just dealing with that was one of the most difficult things, you know. Um, just, to, just to expand on that, um, one of my favorite books, actually, is uh, by Viktor E. Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, for listeners who maybe don't know, Victor spent years in a you know, Nazi concentration camp, uh, Auschwitz being one of them, and uh, just survived the most, you know, like unbelievable conditions ever. And, you know, he said, like, you know, uh, what kept him going and a few of the other, the other uh, prisoners was that, uh, you know, they, they developed this attitude where, you know, everything can be taken from you except for one thing, the last of the human freedoms. And it's to choose your attitude in, in any given set of circumstances. And that's what kept him alive. And meanwhile, you know, a lot of other prisoners were just giving up. You know, they'd, they'd accepted their fate. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They accepted their fate. They just, they just died, you know, from basically hopelessness. And I guess I, I'm trying to, you know, connect that to, like, you know, if you have a choice to make, if you have a, you know, um, if you're put in a situation where, you have to choose, you know, you can either, you can, you can change, you can control your attitude to uh, make better choices or make the right choices or, um, you know, just, uh, you know, if you wanted to do something, you can do it. You know, that's, I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make. Um, you don't have to accept life as it is. And I think a lot of people do. I think they just, they just fall into a rut or they, you know, they get busy with life. People get families and kids and, and life just has a tendency to, you know, take over and we just go with it and we don't really slow down enough to think, hey, am I really doing what I want to do with my life? And I understand that because I've been there a few times and, um, but I always, you know, I always go back to, uh, I, I love going back to this book and just like some really powerful uh, principles there that, that we can uh, we can apply to our lives if uh, you know we we want to take our attitude and 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 use it to create massive change. So yeah, and I hear that phrase all the time. It is what it is, and I can't stand that phrase. I just mm -hmm. cannot stand when people say, "Well, it is what it is." No, it's not. 
It, mm-hmm. it definitely is not. And, uh, you know, that's, you just pointed that out very clearly. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, one of the, uh, reminds me of one of the uh, phrases I used to hear growing up, I'm sure you've heard this, is, um, you know, times are tough, you have to take what you can get. And um, <laughs> I always, you know, like, I, I, that just always sticks in my mind because, I, you know, I mean, I, like a lot of people, believed it. Yeah, you have to take what you can get. And nowadays, I'm like, no, I'm not taking what I can get. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not settling, you know. Um, I'm going to figure out what I want, and then I'm going to figure out how to get it. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of those, uh, I guess, phrases kicking around that, you know, you hear them and you don't, maybe, you don't question them. You know, they just seem so natural, you know, because we grew up with them or you heard it from somebody or your friends were saying it or, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. And so many people just jump on that bandwagon. So, so what is it, what is it that you're doing now, and, and why are you doing that? Well, right now, I guess you could say I'm kind of leading a double life. Um, I still have a full-time job, and I've got a family and two great kids, a uh, girl nine, a boy seven. And um, I've, been, I've actually been teaching for quite a long time, I guess, since I got here. And I've done a lot of, I mean, it's been great, you know, like... Uh, um, teaching in a foreign country, and I've done, I've worked at universities and schools, and uh, I've had a lot of great, uh, a lot of great success with it. Um, I'm running a language school right now at the moment. I've been there for quite a while, but, um, but you know, I had another one of those pivot points about, I'd say about five, I guess maybe five, six years ago. Um, I found myself um, just questioning what I'm doing again because I've been doing it for so long, and I realized like. Um, I mentioned that one of the things I'd always wanted to do was write a book, and it was one of the things on my list, probably the top, I mentioned it was one of the top three things, actually, and for some reason, I just was, it was always one of those things where it was like, well, you know, I'm going to do this someday, you know, and it just became one of those someday things, but actually, it was one of those goals that I wanted today, and I guess, yeah, I just went through this period about six, maybe seven years ago where I was like, I have to do this thing because, you know, it was just eating at me, you know. It's like one of those things that are it's just unfinished, you know. And um, I just started writing a book one day. And it was a book, it was a personal development book. I spent about two years writing it. Um, I stuck with it, you know, week by week. Um, by the time I was done, I think I had like this 120,000 word 350 page monster of a book and by the way this was before uh, Amazon had uh, probably they were just probably just getting going with uh, their ebooks you know, their ebook platform in the KDP but um, I was writing before that and, and fiction as well um, and I realized like you know since I was a kid I was reading Stephen King and all kinds of books and I knew like this is what I wanted to do um, so anyway, I kept going with it, and uh, finally, like I guess a couple of years, I guess maybe two years ago, I finally self-published my first book. Um, it didn't do very well because, um, you know, I'm actually quite, you know, like a lot of authors, I'm, I'm quite introverted, so, <laughs> um, you know, uh, marketing was not one of my strong points, and it still isn't at times. Um, I still struggle with it, um, but um, I put my book out there. And nothing really happened, but, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I'm a published author now, woo-woo-woo. And, um, uh, yeah, nothing really happened with it. And I was like, why not? You know, and I realized, oh, yeah, um, I guess 
I should be connecting with people, you know, in the industry, and I should be, you know, I should be doing this and that. And um, so I did. I started writing another book, and I actually joined a course. Um, it's called SBS, a self-publishing school. Uh, Chandler Bolt uh, created that just about a year and a half, or maybe almost two years now. I joined that course, and wow, I met some great people. And this was another one of those like moments where, like, okay, I've been working as a say a language instructor for many years, and now suddenly I feel like I'm building this new career, you know, like um, I was working on another book at the time, actually two books at the same time, and within 90 days, I published another one, and that book did pretty good, it did a lot better, and I had people who were actually liking what I was writing, so that was cool, because my first book, like I said, I think my uh, my mother bought a copy, and, and maybe somebody else, I don't know, and I had zero reviews on it, so, you know, um, I learned a lot of mistakes through that. So why do you think your second book uh, did better than your first? I have some ideas uh, mm. because of my experience in this arena, but what did you learn from that? Yeah, good question. Um, I um, I connected with people. It was as simple as that. Like I said, I was very introverted. I wasn't really into any Facebook groups at the time. And uh, this was a couple of years ago, and a lot's changed with the, uh, you know, the self-publishing just in two years. Uh, just the last year, actually, but... Yeah, I um, got connected with a bunch of people who were had similar goals. They were writing books too. I got a, you know, I, I hooked up with, uh, say, uh, an accountability partner. Um, so somebody who, for the first time, I was actually talking about my writing with someone, which is something I'd never done really, you know. So my first book, I spent years writing it. I never told anyone about it. <laughs> it's like this, it's like this dirty little secret I was I was keeping under my bed, right? And. Um, it's amazing. I actually got it published. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so the, the, yeah, that was probably that was probably it. I, I and um, you know, I, I had a uh, launch team. You know, people who were willing to read it and and maybe leave a review or two. And uh, and I figured out, you know, when you publish a book, you have to do these steps. I was like, wow, I never I never tried those steps before. And um, um, you know, if you've never ever self published a book, there's there's a really there's a real long list of things you have to know. And I realized, like, I didn't know anything. And that was good because now I got the chance to, like, you know, if I did this the second time, if I did this once and it, it succeeded, I can do it again, right? So, so I, did. I did. I wrote a third book and, again, uh, did a lot. It did really well, too. Um, and, again, every time I did this, like, I connected with different people, readers, um, other writers, uh, people in the industry, uh, bloggers, and I realized, like, you know, to succeed, you can't do, you can't make it on your own. And I think, like, for the longest time, I've always had the attitude that I've got to do this, you know. I'm out there alone, I'm swimming in, the, you know, swimming up river and, and by myself, and, and I'm, I'm going to do this thing. But really, you know, you need someone to throw you a lifeline every now and then and, and help you out. So that was probably the biggest uh, I think the biggest reasons that I kept going with it is uh, I met some really great people and relationships, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is you need people uh, to support you and you have to add value to people's lives um, in order to, um, you know, uh, to, to make it, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, goodness, Scott, a lot of very, very valuable points there. And I just had a guest on the show recently episode number 30 with uh with dave chasson and he points out that he's not a best author but he's a best selling author 
and he's got uh, Kindle books. That's one Men of Abundance. I know many of you are considering writing a book. You've got one in the back of your head. You've been maybe even put it down on paper or in your computer or whatever. But I encourage you to start learning from organizations like SPS or even uh, Dave uh, in episode 30 that because it the launch there's a lot of great books that are written out there that have hardly sold more than 10 copies but it's because like Scott was saying he didn't have the network and as I say many times over your network is your net worth and that's true with everything and Scott learned a lot from SPS and what is that the uh, self-publishing school which I've, I've also heard of quite a few times and it's it's just having people who have been there and done what you want to do on your side and and in your network makes all the difference in the world yeah definitely for sure and um yeah dave um just on his he's got a great site there um i actually use it quite frequently because uh, like i said um uh marketing and selling books is something that you know i myself and a lot of authors need a lot of help with and he's got a lot of great posts on there so you know um but yeah definitely like you know if you're thinking about uh, writing publishing a book um get on board with with somebody you know uh don't try to go it alone because um you'll have so much more success if you you know if you hook up with a with a with a you know a, a company or a self-publishing company or, or whatever it is even if you get a group of friends together and you decide you know you're going to write a book together um you know just hold each other accountable for that Definitely. And all of that is talking about what we're getting ready to get into right now, which is paying it forward. You ready to pay it forward, Scott? Sure. All right. So give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I love waking up early in the morning. So I get up every morning about 5 a.m. And um, I think after I read uh, Hal Elrod's uh, The Miracle Morning, um, I thought, yeah, that sounds like a great system, and I tried it out, and I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still waking up early. I get like to get up early before the family, and what I'll do, actually, um, the key to that is that the night before, um, I will write down six, uh, six action steps that I'm going to take the next day, and I think it's the Ivy Lee method, and uh, it's, it's great. I'll write down six things that I'm going to do the next day, and when you wake up, um, you just get to work on the first thing and prioritize them, work on each task until it's done. And whatever you don't finish, just move it to to your list uh, the next day. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is what I call my morning power hour. Again, waking up early, I'll spend 10 minutes reading, um, exercise for 20 minutes, and then I'll spend the next hour writing until about 6.30. And by then, um, you know, um, my family's up, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm getting ready uh, to start the day. So, um, the last thing I'll put is um, I do a weekly review session every week, usually on a Sunday. Sunday night, I'll take about thirty minutes set aside, and I'll just um, prioritize my goals for the week and work on strategies. And that's all I do. Like I'll spend thirty minutes, maybe up to an hour, just working on um, being. Ideas for a blog post, uh, outlining outlining uh, some chapters from my book, uh, things like that. So the weekly review session is really important. Uh, so those are yeah, those are just three three things there that I think uh, men of abundance can uh, try out. So 
the last one I really like in that you take one day a week to strategize uh, things like your blog and, st- and your book and stuff like that, Men of Abundance, that's certainly something I feel that you can adopt, especially if you're working full-time and you have other things that you want to work on. We don't have all the time in the world. We don't have all day long to, to do things because once you got work, you know, get home, help the kids with schoolwork or whatever, take them to the park or, you know, any number of things we have going on in our lives. And I want you to live your life. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing about men of abundance is consistently moving forward. And as I say in the military, improving your foxhole, but also living your life. You know, mm-hmm. don't put too much aside because some of that stuff that you put aside won't be there very long, especially if you have young kids. Mm-hmm. So definitely a, a great uh, actionable step I think you could take there. What daily habits make the biggest impact in your life, Scott? Well, I'd say, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, I spend an hour a day writing, so I have a word count of 2,000 words a day. I don't always hit that word count. Some days, you know, life just happens, but I'd say uh, keeping that habit consistent. Um, staying healthy, I think, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I used to love eating junk food and all kinds of stuff stuff before bed, you know, crap before bed, um, I wouldn't recommend that, so I just uh, stick with, like, just uh, fruits, veggies after after 8 p.m., and that's a really great way to, you know, when you wake up, you're just feeling refreshed, you know, so, um, and the other thing is exercise, you know, so I'll do, I don't have a lot of time to the gym anymore, but um, there's a lot of stuff you can do at home, so like I said, I'll spend 20 minutes just doing some squats or push-ups or whatever um and i found like those three habits alone right there it just makes a makes a big difference in the day excellent absolutely great habits and i i don't care much for the gym personally i do most of my workouts at home and that's how i prefer it so what book would you recommend to our abundant leaders and why so yeah i mentioned a couple books already in the show but actually the one book that i picked up uh earlier this year um, was is uh, Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and co-authored by Daniel Harkavy. Um, this was just a great book. And again, like I mentioned, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I, I, I wrote out my goals and everything and it changed everything and I had kind of this like life plan going on. But, you know, um, it's not something that you can just do once and forget about it. You know, it might get you to point B, but then somewhere down the road, if you want to make a major change, you have to take it up a notch. And Living Forward, you just... It, um, yeah, I read through the book and then went back and I started doing all the steps and uh, it's just a really great way to define your the plan for your life and um, I thought this was great because you know back in back in the school days you know like I mean yeah I, I, I you know like most people I mean we have to take certain subjects in school right history or you know mathematics science and yeah they're all important but you know it'd be great if uh, it'd be great if they had a course that was like life planning 101 or something like that where you know people could come out of school and they'd already have they have, they've already got some you know great ideas what they want to do with their life and uh, so I just think like as I was reading this book I thought you know this book should be like it should be like a course in school or something you know so I'd really recommend it it's a great book um, so um, yeah check it out if you if you can yeah, absolutely, and I'm going to have that book and other books that we've already mentioned in the show notes with tags that you can click on that will take you directly to a specific point of interest within the within the show. 
and that's some really cool technology so when you're in the show notes you can click on the time tag it'll take you directly to that portion of the show so i have one more question for you and that is what does living a life of abundance mean to you yeah this is uh this is great i i thought about this actually all week um and i was thinking like you know throughout your life i think like abundance means uh it, it changes as you you know as you move through life like for example when i was a kid you know abundance meant uh, having lots of toys, you know. Um, in my 20s, it meant, uh, you know, abundance was uh, how much I could drink and party on the weekends, you know. In my 30s, it was about saving money and, you know, getting a house and all that. But now, um, it means, uh, for me, it's all about building uh, freedom. I want more freedom in my life. And I think, like, uh, living a life of abundance is having the freedom to do what you want to do. Um, and I broke that down into three areas. So the first thing is doing doing the work you love. Um, and the second one is doing it with the people you love and being surrounded by people who empower you. And the third thing is uh, doing these things so that you can enjoy the things you love. You know, Like I mentioned, um, I love traveling and, and I used to do a lot of scuba diving. And uh, you know, these days I'm not doing as much of that because I'm really busy with a full-time job that I'm Hopefully, uh, you know, eventually someday my writing will take over and that will be my full-time job. So that's, that's, the, that's the dream point. But uh, right now, you know, abundance is uh, just, yeah, it's just working towards building more freedom into, into my lifestyle. So, or making freedom my lifestyle, I should say. Absolutely, and you bring up a very good point, and I believe that's the first time somebody has brought that up on the show, is that, and, and other than maybe myself, is that, Living a life of abundance is whatever it means to you, but you add it on at whatever point you are in your life. That's what this show is about, is to help you live your life of abundance and then further uh, celebrate those and highlight those and bring those that are living their life of abundance onto the show. Because as you may have noticed, uh, Abundant Leaders, I don't always have top influencers on my show. While they are great to listen to and great to talk to and a lot to learn from, I feel there's just as much to learn from other people who are not those famous influencers that everybody knows. That's why I like talking with other people who maybe aren't out there, you know, putting themselves out there as much as other people are. Because I just love hearing those stories, and I love sharing those stories with you. So, Scott, I definitely enjoy uh, talking with you and, and hearing your story and how you just up and left and been living in Japan for 20 years and have a beautiful family and, and kids and doing things you want to be doing. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me here. Excellent. So we're going to close this up, and before we do, I'd love for you to leave us with a parting piece of guidance and any way that we can reach you or, or follow what it is that you're excited about these days. Okay, sure. Well, I guess I would say the first thing is uh, don't be afraid to fail. Actually, I've written about this a lot actually in uh, some of my books because uh, that's always something that held me back. Um, don't be afraid to fail because life's going to pass you by regardless whether you take action or not. So, um, Second thing is uh, pay now so you can play later. Um, and I guess that means just doing what you have to do now, giving up what you have to give up now so you can enjoy your life uh, down the road. I mean, you can still enjoy it now, but, um, you know, just whatever it is that you need to give up for now to, uh, to accomplish your goals, your dream, uh, whether it be, you know, giving up TV for six months or a year or video games or whatever it is, uh, just, just do that. 
And um, the other one is, I think I maybe I mentioned already, is you know don't don't settle for what you can get because you know I think uh, life is just full of abundance. Um, look around you. There's you know there's so much that you know we can not just get but we can give. You know, and I think like abundance is not just getting stuff but giving so much back to people. Um, and I guess the one more point I'll make is, you know, make, make a difference in your work and your life. Um, try to help people out, even if it's just one person. It's worth it. So that's, uh, that's, my, that's my parting piece of guidance. And if you want to reach me, I do have a blog at www.scottallensite.com um, where I post regularly. And um, if you jump over to Amazon, go to uh, the book section and just type in Scott Allen, you'll find my books there. But um, I can also send you, uh, can send you the links as well and you can put those in the show notes. So, Yeah, absolutely. Please do that. And Scott, you are definitely a man of abundance. I'm so honored to have had you on the show. And I know Men of Abundance has gotten a lot out of this conversation. I appreciate you, man. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's been great. My pleasure. Take care. Okay, you too. There you have it, Men of Abundance. Another amazing conversation with a very abundant leader. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. And if you did, be abundant in your life today and share this episode and share Men of Abundance with everyone in your community. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this on, even if it's on the website. If you're listening to this episode on menofabundance.com, you can leave a comment right below the show notes. And if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a rating and review right there on that platform. All right, make this an amazing week. Go out and live your life of abundance and be sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.